are studying this amazing first book of Scripture, the foundational book. And, um, of course, it was not here last week because it was too sick. And um, you may remember the, you have to think back a little bit to where we were last time. We're going to take up in Genesis 40. And you'll notice it opens like this. And it came to pass after these things. Okay, what things? Well, after all of the things in the previous chapters about Joseph and his life. That is, after he was ambushed by his own brothers, after Midianites passed by and bought young Joseph as a slave, after those same Midianites then sold Joseph to an Egyptian officer who worked for Pharaoh, after the lie and the slander of Potiphar's wife, and thus being falsely accused, thrown into prison, and after Joseph won the favor of the keeper of the prison, who eventually put Joseph in a sort of a position of authority in that prison. In fact, let's just read the, these things, and then we'll pray together. So let's go back to chapter 39 and verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. That is the most oft-repeated phrase in the entire Bible about this one man. It's repeated in the New Testament too, by the way. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because, here it is again, the Lord was with him and that which he did the Lord made it to prosper you know it may be tonight somebody in this room maybe you need to look at your life and how successful you've been and how you've achieved this and achieved that you've got a great portfolio great reputation you did this you did that maybe you ought to look back and think you know the Lord did that the Lord prospered me it wasn't because I'm all that smart or all that clever or all that ingenious or I'm better than someone else Maybe it was the Lord who, who did that for you. In fact, it was the Lord who did it. And it came to pass, chapter 40, after these things, that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. You never, ever want to offend an autocrat. You never want to offend a man who has absolute authority and who's in deception and darkness like this man. But these two men did so. And there's a reason why God tells us about it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And I just ask, God, you'll help us as we read through some of these familiar details of this man's life. I pray you'll help us, God, to, to learn the lessons that you have for all of us here. We thank you for this book. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you're studying a series on foundations and considering, therefore, the foundational book, in all of scripture and when you come to a section of that foundational book and find that it's overwhelmingly about one man whose biography constitutes 25 percent of the entire book think of that one quarter of genesis there's a lot in genesis we've been studying it for weeks and months now but one quarter of the book of genesis is about one man in particular and so when you come to that portion of scripture it would make perfect sense to assume that this one man's biography must have something foundational something foundational 
to tell us about God and about man. There must be some great overriding lesson of Joseph's life, again, that is foundational to the rest of Scripture. And sure enough, that is precisely the situation with the story of this man, Joseph. Everybody knows that Joseph was as misconstrued, misunderstood, slandered, falsely accused, wrongfully persecuted as any man who's ever lived other than Christ. And in that manner, he is a type of Christ. He's also a type of believers as followers of the one who was misunderstood from the age of 12 all the way to his ascension. And even though the unanimous testimony of the Lord Jesus by others was, we find no fault in him at all. The same testimony you could just about give to Joseph, we have no fault of him. They still labeled him Beelzebub. They labeled him as Satan. And that's just a reminder at the very beginning here that you're not alone when it comes to suffering wrongfully when it comes to being misunderstood if you're whining about that in your heart right now about something experiencing injustice think it not strange peter said concerning the fiery trial that is to try us as though some strange thing had happened unto us every christian experiences troubles and every believer has questions about those troubles and about life itself However, not every Christian comes out of those troubles with gold in his soul. Not every believer passes the test of these purifying fires. But this man did. And here we find this man, Joseph, and if ever was a man, had a, a man had an excuse to be bitter, if ever a man had an excuse to be angry and to quit, this is the man. If ever a man was handed a raw deal from the time he was just a little youth, it was Joseph. And as far as the foundational lesson of Joseph's life, we have just, in our last study to write this moment, we have just begun to scratch the surface of what that is. Chapter 40. We're going to read these verses. They're familiar, but I hope the Holy Spirit will reignite them in your heart. Verse 2, And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard under the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. What a coincidence. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. And they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. Each man his dream in one night. Each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. I mean, they were sad anyway. They're in prison. They're going to die, but now they're super sad because they have these weird dreams. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? You know, he, he's, he's thinking about others. Would you do that if you were in jail, prison, wrongfully? Hey, what, what's the matter? Why are you sad? Verse 9, they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Man, I mean, at this point, would you have been like still having faith in God, giving glory to God with your words in your life? Do not interpretations belong to God? Joseph is not a bitter man. At least he's not showing any bitterness. Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told him his dream, told his dream to Joseph, and said unto him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, 
And it was as though it budded and her blossom shot forth, and the clusters there brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. Now remember, Joseph just said, Do not dreams come from God. Only God can interpret them. He's not being presumptuous here. He knows that God has opened his eyes to something. So he says, here's the interpretation. The three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former matter when thou wast his butler. But think on me. Now think about this. Joseph says, remember me. Think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now folks, I want you to think about this. Finally! Bad luck, bad luck, bad luck, bad luck. His whole life. If it weren't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all, as the song says. That's Joseph up to this final moment. And right here, now, some good news. As a matter of fact, this is kind of great news for Joseph because there are certain things the butler can testify to when he is restored back to his very high position in Pharaoh's palace. For one thing, he can talk about Joseph's character. He can go to the Pharaoh and he said, you know, there's a reason He knows there's a reason why Potiphar and the keeper of the prison promoted Joseph. He was honest. He was hardworking. In that prison, he won the confidence of other prisoners because he cared for them. He actually treated them as human beings. He didn't just have a position in that prison. He had a ministry in that that prison. And so the butler could testify to that. But also he could testify to his wisdom, to this sort of divine insight because the butler is going to realize that Joseph's interpretation of his dream and the baker's dream, that he did it in such a way as that he knew the future. I mean, this is going to be mind-blowing to him. So, for Joseph, this is very encouraging news. And it's very important to note right here, beloved, that God has been giving Joseph sort of, shall we say, tokens of blessings and encouragement all along the way. If you go back in your mind, when we looked at Potiphar's house, he was a slave. But the Bible says there, quote, the Lord was with him. And even there, Joseph could say, he could look around and say, you know what? God has not forsaken me. Because he recognized that God uh, prospered him. God is still with me and blessing me. Same thing now in this prison. Chapter 39, verse 21 says what? The Lord was with Joseph and made him to prosper. Yes, he was in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And yes, guess what? He'd been there for 10 years But even there, God gave Joseph tokens of his love, his purpose, his plan, and it was just enough to encourage him along the way, including this incident, including this miracle of interpreting a man's dream. This was a divine ray of light for Joseph, and God gives those to us. I was talking recently with one of you who's in here about, we were talking about 9-11, and the attack on the Twin Towers, and we were talking about the rescue efforts and how way back then, some of you remember, they had these search dogs. And these search dogs are trained, cadaver dogs and so forth, to sniff out uh, bodies or life, especially human life. 
And they'd go amongst the rubble, and these dogs worked tirelessly. They worked fear, uh, feverishly for looking for a child or a man or a woman, anyone that was perhaps still alive. And you may remember they cut their paws on the rubble so much so that they had to cover their feet with, uh, with gauze and so forth and had them run through. And as they searched, and as they searched, if you know and you, were, you remember that incident, they came away with nothing. All those chirpers, thousands of them, and they got down to hundreds and then dozens and then one or two. And the dogs trainers and the rescuers said that after the first 36 and then 72 hours, the dogs started to get very lethargic. They were, they used, they, the word they used was depressed. They were just, they could barely search. They weren't motivated. They lost their enthusiasm. And they didn't know what to do about it. And then finally, one of the trainers came up with a solution, and that was to occasionally they would hide. One of the rescue crew would go in the rubble and hide so that the dog would come and rescue them and find them. And when that happened, all of their courage came back, and, all, and that's all they needed was to see that and then occasional reminder of a little success, and then they could go on. Well, God knows the human spirit. And God knew that this is something that Joseph needed, and he did. You can see it over and over again in his life. And in fact, God knows in the midst of our trials when and what we need in the way of encouragement and remembering his presence in our lives. And he wants to encourage you if you will see it by faith. So here's Joseph. He gets this little ray of light from the Lord, and he still needs to learn this foundational truth, however. He still needs to learn this singular great truth about the Christian life, about God, and about man here at the very beginning of Scripture. What is it, Pastor? This foundational truth ends up becoming the middle verse of the entire Bible. Psalm 118 and verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. You've often heard it said you can start from Genesis and work your way all the way to the middle. And you can start from Revelation and go backwards all the way to the middle and you're going to see one disappointment in man and another and another and another and just constant disappointment in man until you come to the middle verse of the Bible. It is better to trust in the Lord, put confidence in man. And the next verse, it's better to trust in the Lord, put confidence in princes. The Bible says, cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils. I want you to think about that foundational truth in the life of this man for a moment here at the very beginning of Redemption's story. I want you to think about how crucial that truth would become here at the beginning as you go through the Bible. You look at Joseph's brothers. What a disappointment. They betrayed him. They, sold, they were going to kill him. And then they lied about him. You look at his, his father, his boss, Potiphar. Joseph did nothing but serve him faithfully. His boss's wife. Name me one person. Name one human being so far in Joseph's life that didn't fail him. You say, Pastor, that sounds very cynical. Don't you think that the hope of our society and the world lies in the heart of man? Don't you think that we're the answer? That's what we're going to hear in this presidential campaign. Don't you think that, that, that that's, the, that's the hope is, is our fellow man? Let me answer that for you. No. I'll even think about it. No. And further than that, I believe what God says when he wrote 
Cursed be man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm. Jeremiah 17.5. In other words, it's not cynical to understand what the fall has done to the human condition. You have to believe the foundational book. You have to believe in the fall. You have to believe that man has fallen because of sin. And it's not cynical to understand that. And all Joseph has to do is look around. Matter of fact, he can just sit down with dad. Hey, Jacob, tell me about your awesome life. Oh, you mean Laban? I worked for your mother for years and years and been 14 years. One disappointment in man after another. Tricked by Laban. Now lied to by his own sons about his favored son who sold into slavery. Joseph's father and then go back to his grandfather if you want. They're all exhibit A of the failure of man. Now, I'm not saying, and this is not to say, that we don't need other people. Of course, I just said at the beginning of the service, I'm so glad to be here tonight. I mean, it just blessed my heart to look out and see people I love. I'm not saying we cannot love other people, we're commanded to, and that we don't need other people. We do. God himself said it's not good that man should be alone, and we long for the touch of a human hand. We long for the sound of a human voice we can barely exist without human sympathy and and we grasp for any encouragement that other people might hold out because god knows that we need it and we need fellowship but it was young joseph who discovered and this foundational truth in the bible here we need to discover that even his own flesh even his own family his closest brothers would fail him in his need and then not just his family Sold into slavery, he served his master so well that Potiphar trusted his entire household. Think of that. He trusted him completely with everything that he had. And when Potiphar's wife seduced him, lied, threatened this young Hebrew, he treated Potiphar and Potiphar's wife with complete integrity. And how did man reward Joseph for that kind of treatment? Well, he allowed him to go to jail on a false charge, slandered his character. God is teaching Joseph. And he wants us to learn this at the beginning, as you'll see in a moment, this fundamental lesson of the failure of man. And now we're years later, and he's about to take a final exam in that lesson. Look at verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. You know, it kind of tells me Joseph still has some reliance on the arm of flesh. I would probably say the same thing, and so would you. But he's hoping that this, that this guy will do the right thing. Remember me now. You know that God gave me an interpretation, and I told you that only God can do it. And this butler is indebted to him. Look, anyone with the debt and good fortune that this butler would have would surely have enough integrity to keep his promise. But Joseph's about to learn, again, how unreliable man can truly be. Verse 16, For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Absolutely true. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. 
And in the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket on my head. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? <coughs> Not so promising. We don't know what the baker did to offend Pharaoh, to get tossed into prison. Uh, maybe he burned his croissants. Maybe he put nuts in his brownies. I don't know. But whatever it is, they're all getting eaten up now. And this is not good. Verse 18. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. I'm reminded that, you know, whether it's fun news to give out or not fun news to give out, people who get a word from God are supposed to preach the word from God. And this is not good news. This is the truth. And sadly, Joseph tells this baker to prepare for his death. And I agree with John Phillips, who says that Joseph, he imagined, put his arm around that man and for three days tried to kindle in his pagan heart a knowledge of the true and the living God. The truly important thing is what it says, and here's what it says. Verse 20, And it came to pass the third day when Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast unto all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. In other words, folks, now follow us. I know you know the story, but please follow. Exactly as God had revealed to Joseph, these dreams come true. And again, this has got to be encouraging. It is encouraging. That butler is going to go right back into Pharaoh's palace in the exact same manner that Joseph had predicted. And that butler, therefore, is going to be his ticket out of that jail. Right? Well, yes and no. You want to see a little verse that when I was a young preacher, I circled, I highlighted, I memorized, and I've thought about many, many, many times. I think I've preached on that one verse. It's a verse you should not forget. You've got to circle it. It speaks volumes to us. It's the last verse of the chapter. Verse 23 says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Are you kidding me? His one hope? At least one person? I mean, so much for trusting in the arm of flesh. That's the verse. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now look, I'll say this. Thank God for those who do remember. That's a work of grace. Thank God for those who keep their promises and exhibit faithfulness. This room is full of people I can testify to just like that. God is not saying that man will always fail. What he is saying is man is not always faithful. Not always. When you find yourself on the painful end of somebody's broken promise or somebody else's evil deed, you don't have to grow bitter. In fact, you're a fool if you do. Why would you be surprised when it's in the foundational book of the Bible? You don't have to grow bitter or resentful or even depressed. Just remember that you're pretty untrustworthy your own self. And so am I. I think about the times I've forgotten. I told somebody I would do something or I would 
follow through on this and I forgot to do it, I, I can remember a lot of things. I can remember useless stuff. I can remember that Ty Cobb's lifetime batting average is, is 367. I can remember that Grant is buried in Grant's tomb and the War of 1812 is fought in 1812. There are a lot of things I can remember. But you know what? When it comes to that guy on death row who I'm supposed to testify on behalf of on Tuesday and I forget until Wednesday, you think about that for this man. Joseph said to a man, remember me. And he was immediately forgotten. The thief said to Jesus, remember me. And he's remembered him ever since. And will for all of eternity. You tell me who you should put your trust in. And, and 100% in alone. Chapter 41, verse 1, and it came to pass at the end of two full years. Are you kidding me? Two years have gone by. And Joseph's got to be thinking, this man, when is he going to bring me up? I asked him to. At the end of two full years, that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by a river. You know, I was thinking about this. Suppose Joseph had offended the butler instead of helped him and blessed him and encouraged him. Suppose he had offended him. You think he would have forgotten that? Probably wouldn't have forgotten that till his dying day. So that once again, Joseph is learning the lesson we've got to learn. Put your faith in God and God alone. And that's why we read these words in, the next, in this chapter. Verse 2, And there came out, up and behold, this is his dream. They came out of the river, seven well-favored kine and, and fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other king, uh, kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. So Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's got this dream, and it's troubling. And it's so troubling that he can't sleep at night. Now I have a question. Who's making the first move to getting young Joseph out of prison? And eventually, as we know the story, Joseph does it. We know the story. He's going to sit on a throne. Who's making the first move? Was it the butler? Was it Joseph pulling some strings? Beloved, it was God who went right to this king without the butler, forgotten by his brothers, forgotten by Potiphar, forgotten by the butler, forgotten by everyone except his father who thinks he's dead. He was forgotten by everyone except for God. And in God's time, and in God's way, God makes his move. And you'll notice what God does. He comes to Pharaoh with dreams that are troubling and terrifying to him, and so much so that Pharaoh calls for all of his wise men and his magicians. Look at verse 8. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Now, folks, I want you to imagine this scene. The magicians are all there. These are pagans. These are basically Satan worshipers. All the religious wise men are there. They're desperately trying to figure out this dream because, after all, Pharaoh has people hang for a birthday present just because the guy burned his dinner rolls or whatever. So they know, you know, 
if they can't figure this out, they're in trouble. So they consult and they, they enchant and, and they cajole and they call for the God of Osiris and the God of Anubis and the God of Set and the God of Thought and especially the God of Thought. That's the God of Inspiration. But they couldn't conjure up an answer for Pharaoh. It just so happened, just so happened, that standing nearby witnessing all of this was a high official of the king's court the cupbearer, his butler. And when he saw all these magicians could do nothing about a dream, a troubling dream, and they tried and they couldn't do the interpretation, then he remembers. And suddenly he remembers the words of Joseph concerning the dream that he didn't understand either. Because two years ago, Joseph said to that man, do not interpretations belong to God alone. Not magicians, not soothsayers but the true God and God alone. So bowing down before Pharaoh, the butler interrupts. And he says this, verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Yeah, I'll say. Pharaoh was wroth with his servant, servants and put me in a ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. By the way, why do you suppose the butler mentions Potiphar here? He mentions Potiphar. I think it's probably because Potiphar's standing right there. And wouldn't you love to see the look on his face? Servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret and it came to pass as he interpreted to us so it was me he restored unto mine office and him he hanged now wait a minute do you know what this story is beloved this historical event recorded in the bible for us it is an example of the perfect timing of god now i'll show you why now think about this for a moment god for our benefit is displaying his perfect wisdom and his perfect timing through the events of one of his servants Joseph's life but I'm telling you that this is a foundational book that you're going to see this over and over and over again all through the scripture so that you will know that it's no different in your life as well it is no different through God that God has his perfect wisdom and his perfect timing in your life the only thing we're missing are, is a total mastery of the facts and the circumstances, just like Joseph was in these moments. Verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, I sure can. I am your man. For a love offering of $99.99, I can enter. No. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Do you see how God can use you if you just don't get bitter? Now follow this carefully. Do you think for a moment that the Pharaoh of Egypt 
would ever normally listen to a Hebrew slave, one of his prisoners. Do you think that two years before this moment, two years before this moment, that the butler's recommendation to Pharaoh would have meant anything? No. He might have killed the butler on the spot for even saying such a thing. But now you see what God has done. He awakens in the king's heart a sense of doom. A superstitious man, a feeling of absolute impending disaster. And then he increases that sense to a fine pitch with the failure of all of his magicians. I'm in big trouble. Dissatisfied, disillusioned with his enchantments, his so-called experts, the stage is perfectly set for a slave whose name happens to be Joseph. The butler can testify that God is with him. Potiphar can testify that God is with him. So that essentially this atmosphere in the king's court is perfect for the entrance of one man named Joseph. Perfect timing. Perfect wisdom. But if we don't have this story in the Bible, if we were not given by God all the details of Scripture, we might look at the whole story or the dream, and what's more natural than a dream, even a bad dream? We might look at all of this and conclude it's just a coincidence. Thankfully, God has shown us and placed this in His Word for us to remind us that our God is always working behind the scenes. That God is constantly on His throne. And that in seemingly ordinary ways, He fulfills His will in our lives. And for Joseph, the story gets even more amazing. But again, beloved, it's not until for him and for us, it's not until we have learned these two foundational truths, you cannot trust in man, but you can always, always put your confidence and your faith in God. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not the son of man that he should ever repent. I'm going to close with this. Whatever circumstances you're finding yourself in, when I got that text from Barry, I thought of all of this today. Whatever plans of yours are crushed. Something happened two weeks ago. It was a timeline thing that Louise and I had about our plans, all of our plans for retirement and stuff. And I had forgotten about it, and it came up in a feed that I have, in a reminder, and I thought, wow. All those plans, whatever yours that are crushed, whatever wrongs you've endured, Whatever disappointments others have, have caused to you. God says, though a woman, though a woman forget the son of her womb, yet will I not forget thee. Now that's quite a contrast. I mean, when God's saying, look, you, if you can imagine a woman forgetting the son of her womb, it could happen. But though a woman do that, God says, yet I will not forget thee. And beloved, there's, if there's a promise in this book, not only has there not failed one word of all of his promise, there shall never fail. One word of all of his goodwill. But pastor, I'm brokenhearted. I'm going to say this. God did not say you would never be brokenhearted. He said he would be nigh unto the brokenhearted. But God's failed me. I'm in the valley. God never said you would not be in a valley. But he promised to be with you in the valley. 
thou art with me. But pastor, this experience is not good. This is not good what I'm going through. God did not say that all things are good. He said, his promise is that all things will work together for good. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Joseph himself could say later, as we're going to see in our study, to his brothers, you meant it unto me for evil. But God meant it for good. You know what he was saying? He was saying, after all those years of wondering why and experiencing trouble, after all those years of, of learning about the unfaithfulness and untrustworthiness of man, I have learned that God is faithful. He's always faithful. Is it any wonder that the most powerful man in all the world at that time, is it any wonder that the Pharaoh of Egypt said to his servants about Joseph, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? And he handed Joseph the scepter of the world empire. You're in charge. Literally the most powerful man in the world. And beloved, what this world needs to see, and those who name the name of God, you and me, is a man and a woman and a teenager in whom is the Spirit of God. Which describes every one of you who are saved. You have the Holy Spirit of God. In chapter 39, verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Did it look like it? No. In Acts 7 and verse 9, Stephen is preaching his last message. He's being stoned to death, and he says these words, The patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with Joseph. Nobody else was faithful, but God surely was. And you know, you and I, as we sit here on this Wednesday night, we have clearer promises of God's faithfulness to us than Joseph ever had. We have more of the whole counsel of God so that we can sing with conviction, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee, Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, forever will be. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to see the, the frailty of man, the frailty of flesh, so that when we are disappointed by people that we love, by people who are close to us, and by enemies and others, Lord, when we see that happen in our lives, we do not grow bitter. We do not act shocked because you've shown us in your word that we ourselves are unfaithful to you and to our fellow believers. But help us to see that in the midst of that, dear God, we can be a blessing to one another to the degree that we trust you and testify for you and lean entirely upon you and your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence and your divine wisdom in our lives. Help us to trust you no matter what. We'll praise you for the fruit that comes because of it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.